1: Hey, what's up? Dynasty Command Center Nation. It's Curtis Patrick and Travis May. We're going to do some teaching on this episode. We're going to introduce a metric that is in its second year on the website. It's a metric that, that Travis actually created. Super interesting. It's super timely because we're going to, we're going to apply it to the rookie class. And you know, we just got done with the NFL draft. Everyone's right in the midst of their, their rookie drafts and doing new startups. We're also going to apply this bad boy. To the devy players and, and show you how you can use it as a scouting tool moving forward so I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this for the second the second spring in a row and really try to get this into people's skulls as a new resource travis so you know long-term fans of rotoviz and, and long-term listeners of our pod or you know legacy members of the dynasty command center slack they obviously know you know rotoviz we use uh we use production metrics as our, our primary scouting tool really uh when it comes to dynasty. You know, we have got things that have been created by uh Sean and, and and refined over the course of time by others like breakout age and dominator rating that weigh heavily into our prospect evaluation process. But last year, you know, you, you came up with an idea that maybe would paint a fuller picture or maybe a fairer yeah, picture. Yeah another way of saying sure. that. Um, for for prospects, and I know you and Blair kind of worked on this, and you got it where it, it's it's pretty pretty exciting. So just take a minute and tell people about your new metric called adjusted production index. Sure,
3: yeah. So it's it's pretty simple. Uh, I really just wanted to kind of get a, a, a bird's eye view of uh, what a player's production profile looks like in the games that they played. Uh, so it really just combines three different variables. I mean, uh, we've all heard of dominator rating. <laughs> Uh, basically, a player's market share in receiving yards and touchdowns. Uh, and more recently, uh, we've kind of dug in and found out that yards per team pass attempt, which is exactly what it sounds like, uh, yards per team pass attempt is actually an even stickier metric by itself than uh, dominator rating is in terms of predicting. Uh, future NFL production and what that does is it kind of speaks more to rather than just a player's volume potential it speaks more to their their efficiency uh, within the scope of their offense uh, and their ability to generate a a high clip of yards um, when asked to do so in their given offense and then lastly it it targets uh, touchdowns per team pass attempt which uh, isn't actually independently as sticky or meaningful as dominator and yards per team pass attempt in predicting future production, but it does have a pretty strong correlation to a uh, draft capital uh, players that have a, a high uh, touchdown percentage and, and score touchdowns all the time. Like take, you know, Henry Ruggs this year, for instance, he, like his production profile overall is not great, but his touchdowns per team pass attempt actually kind of buoys him. And he actually uh, was taken really early. Uh, so that happens from time to time. But when you combine those three into one kind of singular score, you kind of get a more complete and more fair assessment of uh, maybe they don't have a perfect dominator, maybe they don't have a perfect yards per team pass attempt or perfect one thing, but you get a, a better idea of who a player is uh, from a volume, efficiency, and scoring standpoint. So it's just kind of a, from a few different angles. And I'm looking at a player's peak season. So the the season where they, they performed the best, um, you know, because there are plenty of times where you know, maybe there's an offensive scheme change or quarterback change, and maybe they had a fantastic sophomore season like Juju Smith-Schuster did and then actually drops off in his final year and people kind of fade them when realistically that last year wasn't necessarily the most accurate reflection of, the, of who a player is. So I look at a pe- player's peak season, and then I adjust the profile in that I'm just looking at the games in they, which they played. So if they're injured for two games, I'm not docking them uh, in, in terms of their, their uh, dominator or yards per team, pass attempt numbers, uh, because they missed two of the thirteen games in their season. But overall, just trying to understand uh, what makes a player um, efficient and what and what makes them have a good chance uh, at scoring fantasy points at the next level.
1: Okay, man. So there's there's a lot to lot to digest yeah. there, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna sum this up and um, how. And, and how I heard it and how I'm reading it in your piece. So, um, you know, yards per team pass attempt, we're focusing there on player efficiency. Yeah. And so, you know, where Dominator rating can be a little bit, um, you, you know, I mean, I think if, a, if if the team doesn't pass a lot, but the player simply gets a lot of volume, even if they're inefficient on that volume, you can kind of fool Dominator oh, yeah. just a absolutely little bit. absolutely you can. <laughs> right. So, so yards per team pass attempt, that's a different way of measuring how that player operated with the, within the offense. Um, and then the yards per team pass attempt, uh, or excuse me, the touchdowns per team pass attempt is a way to find really just a different type of yeah. player because the NFL, I mean, everyone, I think everyone is sensitive to highlight real plays, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the touchdowns, that's what we see. You know, we like to see those big breakaways and and certainly you know, any team that's scouting any player and doing a heavy film evaluate, even if they don't watch every game a player plays, they're certainly watching all the scoring Absolutely. plays uh, <laughs> of anybody they're they're significantly interested in. And so it's not surprising to me that you found a correlation between uh, touchdowns per team pass attempt and and draft capital. And I, where, where I think that's interesting and, and where we'll talk later in the episode about applying that to the Debbie piece of this is if we can use that piece of adjusted production index to understand – which players who fail in other parts of uh of your your index but excel there we that might be a way of of identifying some sneaky day two pick before we get into the stars of adjusted production index in the 2020 class i want to hit you guys with the ffpc stat attack of this episode uh, FFPC, of course, is where Travis and I prefer to play our high stakes dynasty fantasy football. And at Rotoviz, we've got some great tools to measure ADP in startup drafts. So the stat attack of the day is over the past 30 days, only two rookie wide receivers have startup ADPs in the top 50. And they are CD Lamb at 42.6 overall and Jerry Judy at 44. Zero the FFPC stat attack of the day. Of course, FFPC is home to the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty, Best Ball, and of course, the world famous FFPC main event, my favorite high-stakes redraft event every single year. To learn more or to join a league, head to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. And of course, we've got all the tools you need at RotoViz that are designed specifically to dominate the format
2: you are a terrific salesman
1: okay Travis so we've talked a little bit about what adjusted production index is but then like how do we understand a player's index in context to other prospects I mean is this so this is literally like just a score that you know you you can compare year over year so like I, I can take somebody's index from 2014 and compare it to you know 2019 player and you know, I, I can directly compare those things.
3: Yeah, you absolutely can because I'm using kind of a, a player database that spans, I think it's about twelve or thirteen years. That that uh, it kind of generates a, kind of a baseline uh, for each independent variable, and so they're kind of being tested against the same body of of former NFL players to kind of uh, project out future NFL production. So yeah, yeah, year over year, you can look at a player and say, hey, you know uh, Keem Butler had uh, this, uh, and Marquise Brown had this in 2019. And then you can look at this year and be like, Oh wow. But Tyler Johnson kind of killed him in, in both categories. And CeeDee Lamb, you know, he hits draft capital and this, and, you know, and it's easy to kind of look at their scores and just understand because it is kind of a one-to-one
1: there. Okay. So I'm looking at your, your article. So Travis posted the 2020, Top rookie wide receivers and yeah. adjusted production index on May nineteenth. It's uh, it's still on the front page of Rotaviz over in the dynasty box, and I'm looking. It looks like you've got this organized into the index score and then API API percentiles. Yeah. So so the percentile would be a great way of kind of understanding that historical comparison. Yeah. So with with that in mind, I mean, who are some of the top rookies this year in API percentile over your twelve or thirteen year historical sample?
3: So this year, uh, the number one rookie in this class that, that uh, got both draft capital in terms of uh, day one or day two uh, draft capital and uh, the best API score is Ceedee Lamb. Uh, his a- his adjusted production index was three point three four, which is ninetieth percentile uh, across of uh, you know basically in the last 15, 20 years, he's a ninetieth percentile uh, productive player from a few different few different angles, and he got the capital. So it's pretty much a pretty much a slam dunk. Uh, at least uh, looks like the safest player in this draft class at wide receiver. So, so, okay. So you say
1: 90th percentile yeah. and 3.34. Mm. I mean, that, that's great. Okay. But I'm a new, uh, you know, I'm new to this metric sure. and I mean, what, what does that actually mean? I mean, so what is, I mean, what is the accuracy of of predicting future fantasy success or hitting on that rookie draft pick, you know, on a player with a 90th percentile level score, or if it's not 90, you know, what is the percentile kind of benchmark you're looking at in order to make a player? Yeah,
3: absolutely. So with every one of uh, these metrics that we test at RotoViz, it's not like saying that because this player has a 90th percentile, he's got like a 90% chance of hitting. It's not really like straightforward like that. We like to see certain thresholds. Uh, We really like to see higher percentiles because then their comps are even better. But like a ninetieth percentile player, uh, you're looking at some really, really good all-time scores. I mean, you're you're putting him next to guys like um, Amari Cooper, uh, Calvin Johnson, um, even like Akeem Nicks, Tyler Tyler Lockett, guys like that. They're they're in the same kind of range. Even like Tyler Boyd, um, but he actually has better draft capital than than most of those guys outside of like uh, I guess Calvin Johnson. So really. Really like to see a player in the upper echelons because you're going to get guys with just absolutely elite uh, production scores up there. But realistically, if a player hits the 60th percentile, that's that's kind of like the baseline Uh, in my analysis. Looking at several hundred wide receivers uh, over the span of several years, um, it's really hard to find a few examples that were successful uh, that were below. Uh, 60th percentile if they missed draft capital especially but even if they got draft capital but they were kind of you know in the, the mid-range they might be able to hit uh, like Dio Samuel is a good example last year like he barely missed the 60th percentile cutoff that doesn't mean he can't hit we just like to see that 60th percentile because he falls in a a group of wide receivers that have, have shown to be more successful
1: okay yeah sure so so let's let's focus on this 60th Percentile. Then you told me CD is up at the ninetieth. Oh, yeah. But there. I mean, how, how many how many rookies in in the twenty twenty class uh, hit the sixtieth percentile? And you know who are they? And I, I'm going to be listening to see if there's any surprise names or if it's you know I'm I'm kind of kind of secretly <laughs> hoping it's it's the guys that uh, we've been ranking highly all offseason. Oh yeah.
3: Well, I'm just going to go for the guys that, that hit both draft capital and. Um, api at the 60th percentile okay. for now
1: when you say hit draft capital i just want to clarify you're talking top yeah, 100 one
3: hundred. you know because that's basically that's day okay. one day two guys uh this year so you got cd lamb he was picked 17 90th percentile adjusted production index you got brandon iuke arizona state he was actually there's kind of a big drop off after lamb he was he was only 73rd percentile uh, obviously got the first round tag there uh, Denzel Mims was uh, 71st percentile. Uh, LaVisca Chennault was like 0. 0.4 percentile below him. I think he was 70.8 or so. Uh, and then you've got uh, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager, Jerry Judy, and Chase Claypool all in the 60th and 64th, 64th percentile-ish, that type range uh, this year. So eight guys this class that hit what, what we like to see in terms of their adjusted production index uh, and draft capital. And now that might confuse people a little bit just because, um, you know, Chase Claypool and Brandon Ayuk don't hit in terms of their their breakout age. But uh, they do in terms of their their peak numbers. They did hit what we like to see.
1: And as we apply this to Debbie moving forward, it's a way we could have have known about Chase Claypool or Brandon Ayuk, uh, even though we would have missed them using, you know, the things that are kind of the – the historical favorites of the site like breakout mm-hmm. age, uh and, and Dominator, you know, kind of going hand in hand there. So I mean, gee, so I'm thinking these names, CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Ayuk, Denzel Mims, LaVisca Shernault, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager, Jerry Judy, Chase Claypool. So that's basically, except for Claypool, that basically reads like half of the top fifteen in uh in Dynasty rookie drafts, in yeah. any dynasty rookie draft that I've done absolutely. Um so far. There's a couple names missing though. There's a couple names missing that I want to ask you about. Sure. So um, I did not hear Henry Ruggs, so it, it doesn't surprise me that he would score lowly here. But you use him as an example, I think, in the lead-in talking about how you know his adjusted touchdowns per team pass attempt might have buoyed him a little bit, even though he would have he would have failed on some of the other things sure. in, in API. So what percentile was rugs in and is there anything, any takeaways from his profile?
3: Yeah. So his touchdowns per team pass attempt were like uh, 65th percentile or something. So that was the only range where he actually kind of hit acceptable numbers. Like okay. his peak dominator, like was around 20%, which is not good. <laughs> like that's like a full standard deviation or more away from what's normal in terms of uh, a, an, an average draftable NFL wide receiver. Uh, yards per team pass attempt, team missed it again, pretty hard. <laughs> like his was like one point nine nine, and average score is like two and a half yards per team pass attempt. So he missed it by a wide, wow. wide margin there. So his profile is actually around the thirtieth percentile. Which that doesn't mean he can't hit. Again, that doesn't mean he can't hit. He's got the you know he was he was taken twelfth overall. He's probably going to be uh, given some targets uh, if, if the team doesn't want to look like they're really bad at their job. But um, really if you get below the 30th percentile or or specifically um when I originally did this I kind of broke these up into quintiles like kind of groups of 20th percentiles 40th 60th 80th percentiles and things like that if you're in the if you're below 20th percentile you are in a basically impossible to hit type range uh but he's not quite there
1: you know I, I'm privileged I've got, I've got access to the database <laughs> so I'm looking here and you know the thirtieth percentile is right around a negative one point four four API. So I'm just looking in this area for other neat. I mean, guys, I'm just gonna read down it's the back. list because <laughs> this is this is a little brutal. Now, there to Travis's point, it, there's there's some there's a couple names that would give us hope. Yeah. On Henry Ruggs. I'm going to go a little bit above the 30th percentile and just kind of go down. So I've got Marvin Jones. He's more in like the 35th to 40th percentile range. But then we're talking like Early Doucette, Chancey Stuckey, Tandon Doss, Jordan Payton, Lucky Whitehead, Jacoby Ford, Mark Clayton. So Mark Clayton um, popped just a little bit. Kenny Stills has popped a little bit. Um, Brian Hartline had, I think, two top 24 seasons. Definitely one top 24 season. But then, I mean, Jakeem Grant... Ricardo Lewis. I, this is this is an ugly range. This is an ugly range in, in API. And so I, I think it confirms, you know, this is a different way, of course, looking at Henry Ruggs. It's still production-based. We know he's going to fail probably any production-based metric. And the reason that people are on, are on him has nothing to do with his production. But even when we give him a little extra credit and basically give a third of the weight of his profile just to his ad- adjusted touchdowns per team pass attempt, it's still not enough to save no. him. And so that's why, why I think API is interesting there. So enough on rugs. People have heard us rail on rugs for months. (laughs) Um, let's, let's focus a little differently. So you, you said that Debo Samuel narrowly missed last year. And so I, I see like a couple guys, you know, that, that were missing from that eight that we read Mm -hmm. off, you know, I didn't hear Pittman. I didn't hear T Higgins, uh, didn't hear Brian Edwards. So is are any of these guys kind of right in that range? And, and if so, is there anything about any of their profiles that would put you on them over one of the others? Yes,
3: yeah, so, and I, I think uh, a lot – I actually had some questions when I was initially posting about some of these scores on, on Twitter. And Brian Edwards, uh, people are like, wait, where's Brian Edwards? He actually had a really good dominator. And it's true, uh, If especially if you do like an adjusted look at his dominator. His peak numbers were uh, I think a uh, 48% or something like that just off the top of my head, which is – Plenty, plenty good. Like that's way above average. Like, you know, it's, you know, 33%, 34% or something adjusted is, is decent. And he creamed that. So he was really good in that department, but his yards per team pass attempts were not actually great. And actually his touchdowns per team pass attempt, uh, pass attempt were not great. Um, and so he kind of didn't check the boxes there and, and missing on yards per team pass attempt, which actually kind of has proven to be even more meaningful. Um, that, that worries me a little bit uh, but when he got the draft capital even so you know I think he was a 52nd percentile so I I really like Brian Edwards and I really like his early breakout age uh, or early breakout age the elite athleticism that I know he has um, so I think that you know I still have Brian Edwards really high but um, you know that's just a player that's missing one or two things in his in his profile to kind of Hit what we like to see, so I'm still predicting that he'll be a long term NFL player, and that's the kind of player that you see at like around the 50th percentile, even in the 40th percentile range. You see a bunch of long time role players, uh, but you don't always see like the big time owning a, a wide receiver core type players in that range.
1: Mike Evans, Kelvin Benjamin, oh, yeah. I mean, guys that had uh, like brief windows, Robbie Anderson, Jameson Crowder, so it's Steve Smith. So I see, yeah, I mean, I definitely see some people who ended up not just being NFL players, but, you know, extremely fantasy viable. Mm-hmm. There's still, there's definitely some whiffs in the 50s. Because, 50th, I mean, you got like here, Justin so. Hunter. Yeah.
3: And uh, I mean, even like, you know, you got like Ted Ginn, like he's a longtime NFL player. He's been around forever, but he doesn't necessarily, you know, carry you through through fantasy uh, as much.
1: You know, in your article, you focus a little bit on Denzel Mims and LaVisca Chanel. Yeah. And so I want to just spend a second here. So their API comps with you know similar draft capital, I mean they they land on a pretty elite list. So I'm I'm looking at uh, a list that ranges from Odo Beckham Jr. Yeah. to T. Y. Hilton to Keenan Allen to Dwayne Bowe, and and really the only comp for Denzel Mims or Laviska Chenault in this range uh, that misses is Devere Posey. Yeah. So uh you, you know does does seeing all these comps and sims with you know does this put you on them more did you push them up your draft board you know post rookie guide when you finished api did these guys vault up your board any more uh, after seeing their their closest comps
3: Uh, Not really, just because I was with both of these guys. I've been watching um, Mims for three years uh, and LaVisca for two. So I I kind of already understood that, well, LaVisca's not going to improve on his numbers in his final season because of how things went. And Mims just killed it throughout the Senior Bowl season at at the Combine. So after he checks the Combine box and he checks all the production boxes that we've already seen, I'm probably going to have him really high. (laughs) And then when he did get the draft capital, uh, inside day two That just nailed it And was like Okay Yeah I've got to rank him pretty high And he landed with, in a spot Where he can succeed So um, Yeah I'm, I'm really high on, I think I'm the highest On our team on mem. So <laughs> Definitely like this This duo
1: I think uh, I think TJ Calkins Will have something to say about that I think TJ <laughs> TJ ranks Whatever's above one I think is where Where he's got You're definitely higher on Mims than, than I am I know for yeah. sure uh, That you are So good on that <sighs> Uh guys, if you're looking to last longer or go a few extra rounds, you wouldn't be alone. Get to bluechew.com. Bluechew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they're gonna work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't have to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Uh, having people wonder, you know, what is, what is this guy there for? Can I get an amen? Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost. And once you approve your order, ships straight to your door, and it's going to be packed up discreetly. Here's a great deal f- for all of you listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first order free when you use the promo code blue wire. That's blue wire. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's bluechew.com. Promo code blue wire. And it'll last longer tonight. <sighs> there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner bet online nascar is back on the track and bet online's got hundreds of other games events and sports to get in on you can still bet on simulated nfl nba and ufc events 24 7 or you can participate in a $10,000 madden bracket challenge it's a march madness style nfl simulation tournament you can enter for free and coming up next Sunday, this is pretty sweet because I watched this I watched this whole thing, Travis. BetOnline's got ex-Chicago Bulls, Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline is your online wagering solution for the last <laughs> dance documentary yeah man it made me feel like a kid oh, again yeah, so I, I grew up <laughs> I was definitely a, a kid in the 90s you know I mean I'm like what third grade or something you know when the bulls are at like the height of their their dynasty and I mean I just worshipped MJ you know we didn't have social media I didn't know all the shady dealings that were going <laughs> on I, I definitely was a kid that wanted to be like Mike you know my dad's getting me uh you know the Jordans running around and, and Y ball thinking I'm all that and uh it just it seriously just made me want to run through a wall watching Phil talk to the team and uh watching Rodman you know grind out those rebounds I, I had a lot of fun watching that thing yeah, man. so
3: I mean I I grew up in Indiana and I was a big Reggie Miller fan big Pacers fan oh, but nah. even so <laughs> oh, nah. like I still like I, I couldn't hate the Bulls for what they were doing because it was just too great
1: like my, my oldest son just turned nine and uh I, I don't think he's quite old enough for a little bit of the subject material that was in there. <laughs> yeah. But I can't wait, like maybe two or three years from now when he when he kinda understands some of this stuff, can't wait to watch that with him and, and share one of the goats uh with him. So let's apply API from a Debbie perspective. Sure. So both you and I rank Debbie players at, at Rotoviz and the utility of that, you know, for listeners that maybe don't play in Debbie leagues, you should still absolutely pay attention to debbie rankings because you need to know what that next pipeline of players looks like and you need to read debbie content so you understand the relative value of a rookie pick you know in a subsequent year you know guys like travis and jordan hoover over the past couple years and then you know more recently i think stefan Leko and matt wispy have gotten involved with our debbie team these are guys who are going to help you understand what next year's rookie first what next year's rookie second are worth even if you don't play Devy dynasty football, so you know, I, and, and I, I'm guilty of this. I mean, you know, five, six, seven years ago, before I got into Devy, I would just kind of roll my eyes when I heard people talk about college football players or college fantasy, <laughs> and 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 then I finally, I mean, I was, in, I become enlightened to understand that even if you don't play, you still need to know. It's it's a way to find an edge, and if you're playing, whether it's high stakes or high volume in dynasty, either way, you got money on the line, you got pride on the line. You need to understand what's going on uh, in college football, so um, we're going to use API because I mean Travis has already got this updated. I mean we already know where the peak seasons of the people that are still in college football. We know where they're at. Now these scores could change because they could throw up a new peak this year, but we've already got some people who have really popped. And so you know, Travis, if you would just share maybe like, hey, who are the top, you know, three, five, six players? who already have a percentile score that's impressive in college football.
3: Sure. Yeah, and and this is—I was looking at the top five, and I was like, man, this is a really sexy list. So you got uh, Chaterius 2-2 Atwell. He just goes by 2-2 Atwell for Louisville. Uh, He actually has an incredible 91st percentile uh, adjusted production rank uh, already. Uh, And really, that's mainly just in one season because uh, he kind of went off with uh, Mikhail or Malik, whatever you want to call him, Cunningham this past year, and put up a ridiculous 4.24 adjusted yards per team pass attempt uh, clip, which is like almost two full like standard deviations away from the mean. Which is, you know, he's like way up there, like ninetieth percentile, ninetieth, ninety fifth percentile type numbers in yards per team pass attempt. But his 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 score is, is looking incredible. The only knock on him is uh, he needs to add on a few pounds because I think he. <laughs> I don't know, I think his list weights like one sixty something. So he needs to add some pounds.
1: Okay, so we got a we've got a Hollywood Brown here type, but in terms of his API, uh, that that's a CD Lamb number. I mean, he, you just told me he's 90th percentile. That's he CD could do Lamb. nothing.
3: He could do absolutely goose egg this year. I mean, he's not going to do that, but he could do that, and he would already be where CD Lamb's profile was uh, in terms of big picture. So really incredible. I think, and, and really, I think a lot of people are coming around quickly and, and automatically assuming he's already going to be a day two guy next year just on his vertical threat and scoring ability. So I'm excited to see what he does because uh, Malik Cunningham or Mikhail Cunningham, whatever, whatever you want to call him. Cause I, he's a, he's a really low, low key, you know, Heisman sleeper this year, just cause of uh, what, what Louisville uh, could do. But uh, after him, uh, you got Tylan Wallace, Oklahoma state, obviously he had a shortened season last year, so he could have really improved these numbers. Um, had he kind of been playing a, a little bit longer, but Tylen Wallace, uh, I think the real draft people aren't as as high on him, but uh, he was a Bletnikov finalist. Uh, what two years ago? Uh, just an incredible yeah. player. Uh, I think a lot of people think he's going to be a day two guy as well. Probably not round one, but you know an early pick. And then you got Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. I know people were kind of burned by Tyler Johnson this year not getting the draft capital, but but Bateman is almost just undebatably better. Then Tyler Johnson, and even as a true freshman, uh, he put up, uh, I think he was almost at the 30th percentile or so uh, in terms of his adjusted production index as as a true freshman, which by the way, that that doesn't sound great. Uh, And I'm not saying 30th percentile compared to other freshmen. I'm saying 30th percentile compared to future NFL players like coming out of college. Like he was already, already almost average (laughs) as a true freshman. Uh, And that was with Tyler Johnson on the field. And last year, he he just came out, and, and now he's got an 86th percentile adjusted production index score already, and could peak, peak even higher this year with veteran uh, Tanner Morgan returning and Tyler Johnson gone. So he could put up ridiculous numbers and have the, the, the best numbers in this class next year. Uh, and then you've got Sage uh, Sage Surratt from Wake Forest, or Sar- Surratt, sorry. I, I always said Surratt when he was a recruit, and I just can't shake it, but... Uh, he actually got injured last year uh, but uh, lost the competition around him in K- uh, Kendall Hinton and uh, Scotty Washington and uh, gets a quarterback who loves to throw the ball to him in Sam Hartman now at the helm um, with Jamie Newman going to Georgia. So Sage Surratt, Wake Forest, and then uh, last but certainly not least uh, to round out the top five in current Adjusted Production Index score uh, and that are you know still in college, you got Jamar Chase from LSU you know the guy who I think he scored 40 40,000 touchdowns or so something like that uh, last year for LSU and just uh, an absolute crazy bonker score even being surrounded by other future NFL talent like Terrace uh, Terrace Marshall and and uh, Justin Jefferson of course uh, he, he's a top five NFL draft pick type player uh, so it's funny that you know five guys that are pretty much locked into day two capital next year are already looking like they're kind of no-brainers just looking at their adjusted production profiles.
1: You know, we, we talked about Tutu Atwell being over 90th percentile, but the other four guys you mentioned, Tylen Wallace, Rashad Bateman, Sage Surratt, and Jamar Chase, all four of them would actually, in this year's class, if you slid them in, in this year's class, they'd bit between CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Ayuk. You've got, you've got my attention here. We think this could be the 2014 wide receiver class for fantasy purposes all over again, right? I mean, everyone has just um, lost their mind over the quality of depth at wide receiver this year, even though they've slid down the board relative to the, the running backs. I, no one's complaining about the wide receivers this year. We've complained about some landing spots, but we're not complaining about the receivers. And and we're looking at next year, these draft eligible guys for 2021. And you're telling me I got five guys that would rank second or better in this class. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that that's remarkable. So Um, absolutely remarkable. And and in terms of, um, I think if anything, in, 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 terms of being actionable, you know, if you need to reload on wide receiver, knowing that you got more recruits coming in next season, that's, I think that's even more ammo, uh, or, or I guess supporting argument for me to spend even like a second round pick this year in a rookie draft on the back, knowing I can replenish wide receivers next year. So, so maybe that leans me towards taking, you know, a guy I'm not super excited about, like a Keyshawn Vaughn or a, a Zach Moss type at the, the early to mid-second round, if I understand what's coming in Devi next year. So, um, you know, we're going to continue to keep API front and center for you guys moving forward because I, I think people need, they need to add this to the repertoire, okay? <laughs> so we're, we're not going to stop talking about the other metrics at the site that have led us to so much success over the years, but we've got one here that I think belongs on a pedestal right next to it and it's another tool that we can use to make sure we're not missing some of these guys so takeaways cd lamb uh you know hard to poke a hole in that profile henry ruggs uh is what we thought he was and we've got a lot a lot of reinforcements coming in Devi in 2021 and beyond thanks to adjusted production index so travis man thanks for the education tonight um i you know i I think i speak for you when i say if anybody has questions about api i mean travis is always great about answering stuff on his timeline at ff underscore travis m uh even dms you can hop in the dynasty command center slack ask him some questions about that but he'll continue to keep api updated you know throughout the course of the season we'll see how some of these college football guys rise up the ranks